Welcome, everybody, to the Black Thread Podcast. I'm the host for this week, Jonathan Smith. Everybody else, introduce yourselves so we can get started on this one. Yeah, um, so I'm Togo. I'm from South Africa. And, yeah, I'm excited about today's topic. I am Chris, Cape Town, South Africa, and excited as well. Something interesting uh, that we're going to be talking about today, yeah? Hi, I'm Brian, uh, Nairobi, Kenya. And yeah, very excited and looking forward to the conversation this week. Why is everyone from Africa? I feel kind of left out. But anyways, <laughs> um, I'm Gabby and I'm from Jamaica. And I'm really excited about this episode because the topic is very near and dear to me. So, yeah. Still going on? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So mental mental health. Um I know during this quarantine, we've had, we've been uh, a lot of people been cooped up in their homes, not being able to um, not being able to see family, friends, and uh, it does put a damper on your mental illness. But even prior to this, um, mental health is definitely a it's a big part of life. Like mental health is a good a good good mental health gets you up in the morning, gets you doing what you need to do, what you want to do, and um, it allows you to think and Enjoy the life that you're living, um, but um, as um, as people of color throughout the world, there's a lot of different stigmas that come along with um, with mental health. Like it's either we don't want to talk about it, or like on a religious side, people say you just got to pray it away, or you know, like you'll get your answer somehow. But what we're learning now um, is that it's okay to talk about it. You know, it's okay to get to seek help because it's literally the difference for some people between um, is the difference for some people between um, a life, a life on drugs between and life, you know, living a normal, a relatively normal life or a life isolated from people that care about them to people that, you know, to enjoying the family and friends that you have over the years. Um, so I'm going to start with Chris. Chris, what is your take on mental health, not only in your own country, but possibly around the world? Um, so mental health, um, I haven't personally been affected by it, but um, from, you know, family that has been suffering um, from it, um, even prior to the whole lockdown. Yeah, I think um, it kind of affects affects you whether you like it or not to be honest and there's always um from what i've heard and from what i've read up it's the one thing that kind of triggers it um you know whether it be the loss of a loved one whether it be um i don't know um you know well mainly from what i know from what i heard it's comes from you know losing someone or a traumatic incident that happened to you um, and that can affect your mental health yeah um so yeah and sometimes i guess you're just for some people they just get to their breaking point like it, they just get to a point where it's like they can't take it anymore so there isn't any necessarily one specific thing that happens sometimes but sometimes it's like multiple different things 
and then you just get to a point where maybe one smaller thing happens and it just makes you lose your shit basically yeah do you have any experiences with that i mean yeah that's how it happened with me i basically struggled my entire life but obviously i didn't talk about it because you don't really you aren't supposed to in or community specifically being black and also being jamaican you just don't talk about it there when you see like elections happening there are no politicians talking about how mental health is going to be a thing where people can find resources and stuff it's like not spoken about at all my entire life i haven't seen someone of authority on my tv or on the news or something talking about how important it is and i think in the black community alone it's bad but specifically in jamaica it is horrible no one talks about it at all anyways sorry (laughs) back to the story though anyways so my entire life i basically struggled with just mild depression and mild anxiety it was just a struggle because I couldn't talk about it so I had to like go through it on my own and I had to like yeah all that even right now it's awkward for me to talk about it because it's just so stigmatized but it really happened when I turned like 18 and I had to well I didn't have to but I wanted to get like a job so I could move forward with my life. Didn't really know what else to do because like it was just a whole existential crisis. And I went into this deep depression and I separated from my family. I wasn't talking to them because they were like a big root of the problem for me. But it also made the problem worse because I didn't really have much of a support system. I had a support system, but I am very family oriented. So being, not being able to communicate with my family or like I could, but anxiety and depression kind of makes you feel like you're a bother to people kind of make, yeah, kind of makes you feel like no one would want to listen to you. So that's why I really just separated from them. It wasn't me. That's not what I wanted to do because I love my family and I would love to have been around them throughout that time. But because of the stigma, it was just not because of the stigma and my mental, my bad mental health at the time. It was just a very, very difficult thing for me to do. Yeah, I hear you. Um, Toko, what is your take on on you know mental health dealing not only in your life but the people around you well when it comes to the people around me depending on their age group and their generation there's always a hesitancy when talking about mental health it's only when you meet other people that experience mental health issues that you might be able to have a conversation about it but even then there's there's a certain yeah, element of shame and, and, and awkwardness as well. And also, it's, it's, it's very 
like maybe you have a peer that you know is struggling with mental health, but they're not choosing the route that you're choosing. They're choosing to focus on prayer, which fair enough, but mental health, you know, is about mental health is about doing treatment of it is about talking about it and also getting on medication for it. And I feel like first in 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 the black community it's underdiagnosed and there's an element in the black community to see mental health as madness or a person being crazy and yeah. incapable. Um I remember with myself when I had had to be booked into psychiatric care, I, I couldn't even tell my parents what I was in for. I was away from home. I had isolated myself. The depression and anxiety was just really bad. And I couldn't discuss it with anyone. I couldn't even uh, discuss the root cause of, of, of what caused that depression, you know, what triggered it. And it was just, yeah, it was, it, it was very sad and 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 isolating you know already you feel so unable to discuss it and even if you do want to discuss it everybody else is uncomfortable about it you know yeah. and also the black community is all about secrets you know we yeah. you just die inside you keep it inside and you die and you keep yeah. it moving you know that that's what the, our community is about you know, it's just about keeping it all in. And then when it bursts out and manifests in either bipolar um, or what do you call this? Depression or anxiety or any of the myriad of mental health issues that exist. We just see it as that person is, is going crazy. Case in point, Kanye West, you know? Yeah. And I feel like what you said about... Um... What did you say? Like you spoke about us just being un- undiag- um, underdiagnosed in general. So obviously, an un- an underdiagnosis is gonna cause under treatment. Because like if you're not being diagnosed, mm-hmm. then you're not gonna get treated. And I think we just yeah. need to learn or like talk about within our community how to identify like the warning signs of certain mental illnesses so even if it's just to start at the most common ones teach us teach black kids to learn how to identify symptoms of these things so that they can think about it and acknowledge if they need help because that's the thing because we don't talk about it a lot of people don't even know when they need help just like me I didn't I didn't think I was depressed for it was like a whole year of being depressed before I got tried to get help and then it took another year for me to recover so not being able to identify what you're going through is it's just not good because like you need to know your symptoms so that you can know whether you need help or you just need a nap James can I ask you a question how did you know that you needed help like how did it get to the point that you actually um, you know kind of 
Okay, so I actually have been living with my boyfriend for like, well, it it was like one and a half years at first, and then I left for like six months, and now I'm back again. So it was really him that saw certain things in me, because I didn't, I wasn't noticing the personality changes and like the changes in how I did things on a day-to-day basis. And when it really struck and he was already trying to convince me, like, because he already saw that like something was wrong. I couldn't talk to my family. I was hiding my feelings. I was like irritated all the time. It was just a bad experience for me and for him. But for me, when I was like, wait no this is serious was when I was like in my third job in like four months and I couldn't keep a job because I would have these anxious anxiety attacks like in the mornings when I had to go to work because mine was also like a social anxiety type of thing too I it was very hard for me to go outside and have people see me and see people and interact with people and when I realized that I was like at my third job in like four months I was like wait I can't keep a job this thing is obviously taking over my life and I need to take control of it before I end up where I don't want to be I guess so yeah it was really sometimes and I after a while I started to think about the whole thing and I was thinking like it must have been so hard for my boyfriend to try to convince me when I wasn't even trying to get help you know it's hard to force a person an adult to get help if they don't want help and it's even harder if they don't know that they need help which was me so yeah so your boyfriend kind of saw that and um from from what everyone's been saying and from what i know within our communities it's more of the older um, generations that are more type. of the um you know um yeah let's not yeah. speak about it type of thing so i'm thinking as time goes on we'll start to see um, better yeah, engagement, so, I think. Um, because over the last few years... Oh, yeah, um, sorry, so Ryan, I was doing some research for this, and I was asking around, and I met a few older people, and I was asking them what's their take on mental health, right? And uh, what, mm-hmm. what they did say was that for them, it's a very new concept, because... Um, Back in the day, I'll speak for like the Kenyan communities. We didn't really have uh, the kind of hidden mental health because there's a whole community. It was very community based and people take care of each other just in case of anything, like if you needed food. So we didn't really have issues of stressing over this or that. And everyone you grew around was people who are really close to you. But then you you also had the really serious ones where people couldn't really function and uh, mental health was really far gone. And they'd blame that on the spirits yeah. and people would be ostracized from the community. 
right? So those are the only kind of mental health they could see. Oh. And so this kind of new one, they can't really quite understand it because it's very new. It, they, but the exact words are like, these are modern problems. We haven't really seen them. And it really struck a light bulb with me. And I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Because I guess there's, their concept of it is less of a mind thing and more of a spiritual thing. Which spirituali- spirituality can help yes. with their mental health. Like it can. I, I really do think it can. I'm not like religious. But I am in tune with that. There is a power, a higher being. I don't really get into the whole rules of religion and you have to do this and you have to do that type of stuff, but which is another unpopular thing in my community because everyone here basically believes in religion. So, but I do think it can help, but it's not the only thing that you need to fix it. Just one thing that you are far off. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Gabby. I thought you were done. No. Um, Brian, I just wanted to comment on something that you touched on about how um, there was a sense of community that predated the relevance or even the the rise and incidence of mental health in our people. I think that's a very important thing. That level of isolation that we experience now in this world we're virtually connected, but we're meaningfully disconnected, you know? Like, we don't have those meaningful relationships and support systems and, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing that you can fall back on someone throughout your whole community, not just your family, but throughout your whole community, that they will carry you if if something comes to you. So right now you're faced with the situation where everything is faced with you and already uh, because of economic problems and so forth, you don't want to burden your parents more than you actually have to. So you try to get out of home and then you realize you're not ready for anything out there and you don't have that much of a support system, even with people that live around you. Because right now it's all about minding your own business, pursuing your own goals, attaining your own wealth, you know, just living the best life that you can. It's all about the individual, which is a fair argument, but I feel like it needs to be a balance between the individual and the and, and, and the collective, you know, so that we can be healthy as people. And yeah. that's the yeah, yeah the biggest downfall that I found that isolation really just brings to mind because you can literally live with with mental health for years you know and it's just mild because you have your support system especially if you're still living at home with your parents but immediately once you become you move away it just sort of it just jumps up and it it manifests itself yeah so isolation is literally one of the biggest factors of mental health and many other factors, of course, but that's the one that I've picked up on that sense yeah. of isolation of being alone, of not having anyone there for you. And when your brain tells you to kill yourself or that people are against you or that you're a burden to people, you know, like it's your own self letting you down 
you already struggle with believing in other people. What about yourself? You know, and when your own brain is against you, it's even harder to work against that. Yeah, because yeah, it's like it's like your brain is convincing your brain that it's bad or that you're not worthy, and then your brain mm-hmm. has to be trying to convince your brain that you are. So it's like yeah. It's a difficult thing to handle. And I I think also I was kind of researching some stuff and I found that only like four or like 4.5% of therapists or like, no, not therapists, but like psychologists are black. And I think that has a lot to do with it because... The black experience is unique. Everyone's experience is unique, first of all, like everybody. But being black, especially in America and in other countries where it's mixed, like a mixed population of white and black, it's hard. I think it's really harder for you guys being black than it is for me. There are some things that affect the, like, the whole black community like worldwide but there are some things that are specific to just black people that live amongst white people and sometimes I think people that can contribute to depression and people black people are gonna want psychiatrists and therapists that they can relate to that has the color of their skin and the texture of their hair so that they can relate these issues to them and like someone can understand and help them to get around these issues because I can't go to a white therapist and talk about how I'm being bullied in my school because of the color of my skin or the texture of my hair they're just not gonna really understand they can try they can sympathize but they'll never really be in my shoes you know so I guess not being able to find someone to relate to because there are so little black therapists or psychiatrists or just psychologists in general, I think that might be a big thing. And then the reason why there is such a small amount of psychologists goes way back to the whole systemic racism problem because like, we can't go to school to get our degrees as much as white people could go to school and get their degrees because of the system just how it's set up so like it's a whole thing i guess um no i completely agree with all the points made um it's one thing about once one thing so like i have a i have a therapist and um growing up uh i you know, like you, you feel, you feel like certain ways. So you might get, I might get moody as I've gotten older. I've learned to, you know, like work through these, um, work, work through my emotions because it's just at this point, it's, it's who I am. Like, but I'm a genuinely happy person most of the time. Um, one thing, one thing that does, that, that is, that does suck is when you, um, when you, you're close to the, when you're close to people that, are going through it and you want them to get help. But as you know, like 
as you know, deep down, they're not going to get help unless until they hit like a rock bottom. And I'm not saying that everybody mm-hmm. has to hit bottom. Some people realize it long in advance. Yeah. But um, some people do need to hit like a low point in their life to get the help that they need. Um, but one thing, one thing we have, like one thing at least in America that we deal with is um, we we str- we deal with a strong distrust from the older generations of um, of the healthcare system because they've wronged us for so long. Like we have the Tuskegee experiments, where yeah. or where they would go through um, black neighborhoods and spray radiation, or you know just to see long term side effects were. Um, there's a strong distrust of the medical field, but I think as, but I also think that, I also think that too is more of a regional thing for us because some of these, some of these things happen mainly in areas um, that had large black populations or have large black populations, but they've changed over the years, like St. Louis or, or down in the deep South Mississippi, Bama, um, it's weird because, you know, my family, like I was born and raised in Los Angeles and my family, but my family's from Oklahoma, but we still push, like, you got to go to the doctor, get the help you need because, you know, and I think that comes to an education thing. Like my parents both have um, bachelor's degrees, um, master's degrees, my grandparents, same thing. So to them, it's not, it's like, yes, they're very religious people, yeah. but they also understand that, you know, there's there's points in your life where like you actually do need to get the help and they're very open about, you know, talking these things through with them. Like I, when I was in high school, it was, it was terrifying to talk to my parents about the thing, the thoughts that would run through my head because I didn't want them to think any less of me. And that's, I think that's a really big thing. Like people don't, people who don't reach out for help don't want others to think less of them. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's something that like, um, that you have to really, you know, you have to really um, break down because like, I know, like, as I'm a guy, so I have a lot of male friends, but I always tell them and they always tell me like, if you're, you know, if, if you're going through something, like, let me know, like, we're we're breaking down, like, there's not only a stigma in like the black culture about talking through your problems, but it's a stigma among males in general about talking through your problems. And I think, I think like the younger generations, like my generation, my dad's generation, like they are more open to talk to each other about what they're going through, which is also helping because it's breaking down this thing. It's tearing down this um, toxic masculinity. Like men don't have feelings. Yeah. Like it's okay to cry. Like as long as you're not like, like, and you know, like it's, it's different. Like if you're crying about something or, or like you're tearing up about something that makes you emotional, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, it's human. It's, un- it's human. Like it's okay to be human. Like we don't have to be these, these, um, these, these, um, stoles. robots. Yeah. Yeah. Basically robots. But Brian, have you ever had any, anything for yourself dealing with mental illness? And if not, have you experienced somebody close to you? that's been going, you know, going through problems and you, you say like they need to get help, but you like, it's, there's a barrier that's either keeping you from telling them that or um, essentially like having, like getting them to see like, Hey, like I've got you, but you, like, you, we, we can get help together kind of thing. 
Um, yeah, that's a tricky one. That, this is where I had to go ask in different people because I personally don't think I have experiences. If I have, I'm not aware of it, which is one of the things. But um, yeah, uh, I think the closest ever it ever got was one of my really good friends had a little sister who was going through a lot. And it all of a sudden just came to the fro and she was suicidal and all that. And Aww. we had to help. Yeah, we had to help around and uh, get therapies and like try to talk to her. She came to live with me for a while and like we're just trying to see how to help and just talk to her. And I will, I will just try and keep myself in the position of anyone and see what they're going through. But like I understand I can never understand it fully. And that was really hard for me to understand like how her mind was working and all that and I wasn't meant to try or anything of the sort but yeah that was the clue I tried to help as much as I could and yeah she's better now she she went to therapies and yeah she's getting better now it's been almost a year Brian I just have a question for you right your experience um, for instance like the relation because uh, Jonathan spoke about, you know, uh, being in touch with their feelings as males and how um, males have always been encouraged to be stoic and just keep everything in. What is your relationship like with your with your male friends? Can you lean on them emotionally? Talk to them about stuff. Um. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm sure I could. We don't. <laughs> but like we've we've always been there for each other on the tougher side. Like we've seen some of us crying for us and we understand and it's not like we talk about it. It's not like we tell each other that um if you're having a problem, come see us. But mm-hmm. I think it's implied. So we are like the classic case of really stoic friends and emotions are for serious issues only. <laughs> Do you wish for something um, a lot more open? Even though it's, uh, right now you know it's implied that you can come to them about anything, but do you wish that it was something, you know, over Stead. that was stated? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Uh, I, <laughs> but I am the wrong person to ask. I'm a very yeah. private person. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Like I'm okay with keeping what's my mind until I need to let it out. Then yeah. I let it out, and I find people to let it out. Yeah, yeah. which happens once and in that, a while. Yeah, yeah. But like how it is now, I'm okay yeah. with that. Okay. I get it because <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm a similar type of person, and I feel like that is a major thing that have caused um my problem because. I'm really distant from my family, like really distant, because not only am I like distant by nature, but my family also is very closed off when it comes to talking about emotions and situations that make you uncomfortable. So true, it's, true. Both of, it's both my nature and nurture that caused me to just bottle everything all the time. And there's a healthy amount of that that I can do because that's how I am. So I can do it. But there's a, there's a level 
where it can get to that makes things bad for me and for the people around me. So for just everyone's sake, for myself and also just to keep everyone happy, I am not too open because that's just a part of me that I just can't get rid of right now. But I am open enough to let my boyfriend it's really just my boyfriend it's not like a whole group of people but just to let him know that I'm okay and yeah I just talk enough or like share enough to let him know that I'm okay and for me to stay okay and what about you Chris what I know being a South African as well that especially a colored South African that there's there's a certain level of of not talking that is even worse in the colored community is my perception uh, wrong or you not at all not at all um in the colored community um I think I, I wouldn't say that we have it worse off than 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 other people but it can get tough um mm-hmm. so typical relationship with your dad for example mm-hmm. um there's nothing about talking about feelings there's nothing about um not to be honest with you with me and my dad probably not even um a hey i love you type of thing oh you know gosh. i've literally never um heard it heard that yeah because we don't that's not something that we do yeah, yeah um, i was yeah. like 18 before i heard i love you from my mom and it was kind of not even her saying it mm-hmm. Oh. And yeah, but, yeah. but but I think now people's starting to be more open about about things like that. So, um, uh, I, like some older friends that I have, they more expressive about their feelings to their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, yeah, and I'm seeing it start to get better. But from my generation, and maybe uh, you know. People my age, I don't think that we've ever heard, you know, I love you or, you know, I'm there for you type of thing. You know, it's just not a spoken thing. But I do think it's there. It's just not openly said. I think that's our biggest problem as black people. Like, we just keep things. Like, we imply them. We, we, you know, like, it's always subliminal. It's never blatant. And some of us have different needs. We need it to be blatant. You know, mm-hmm. you need to be stayed to to be reassured about yeah. that love, that support, that that you know, and it's a way for us to build a relationship. For instance, I myself prefer a relationship that's about verbal exchange and not so much touch, you know. Yeah. And implications don't work with me. You know, I don't want to be implied at Hearing it, hearing my parents tell me they appreciate me, they love me, they are proud of me. Those things mattered to me, but they took a while to even hear. 
and they always given out like morsels, you know. So I get it. Yeah. It's, and it's I, not okay. Yeah, I think because of what I went through, not really hearing that I love you, I actually heard the opposite, quite the opposite growing up. I heard that I was worthless and careless and stupid. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, so it's not only that I didn't hear the positive, I was in fact hearing the equivalent negative. So, yeah. um, yeah it was very hard for me to mentally I have no idea how I did it but I managed to build some form of self-esteem and self-efficacy throughout my teenage years to really keep me afloat because if I didn't have a certain thing in my mind and also my friends throughout high school I didn't talk about it openly but we always just as you said subliminally know knew that we could talk to each other and we also knew that we all had a certain family life that was really just unhealthy and toxic so we Mm. we weren't necessarily saying oh how are you with your dad or how are you with your mom but we would be like do you want me to get you lunch today you know like it would be like small things just to make our days each other's days better to forget about what's happening at home for a few hours which is not I don't think it's good but it's not like bad either but it's definitely not good because like people should be talking about it openly um is that the thing in the black community where People think food fixes everything. Oh my goodness. I swear. It's like when I was growing up, if you have your basic needs, you don't have anything to be talking about. Okay? You don't have a problem yeah. if you yeah. have your basic needs. That's it. Yeah. You have that's, a house. That's all you have that's clothes, a conversation. You have food. That's it. Mm-hmm. I start crying about when you have those things. Yeah. It's a thing. I also just want to touch on, on one thing, right? about how we perpetuate traumas to other generations and how from one perspective our parents actually project their own traumas and pathologies onto us and how what we do and what is our responsibility in mitigating that for future generations our children and so forth and yeah I just want to find out with, with you guys, what has been looking at the way your parents raised you, right? What has been the thing that you have considered as a way to mitigate some of the, the traumas that you experienced by being raised by them? Wait, what do you mean? Like, um, I get what she's. I get what she what, means. For instance, you were talking about how your mom was always saying negative things about you, right? And yeah, you only it was, heard it was my indirect. Yeah. yeah, that you understand. What yeah. are you going to do in future to mitigate that? That you don't pass it on to your children simply because mm-hmm. of the trauma that you went through. Like probably that trauma that your mom has was also probably traumatized by your grandmother. Yes. And she probably held back a lot. Yes. In it. 
where you are concerned. Probably didn't even try to say anything just so she wasn't like your grandmother. But in that, it still made you feel like you were less loved. Yeah. You see? So what are you as a person doing to ensure that in future you don't pass on your traumas, you don't pass on your pathologies, and mm-hmm. actually to future generations or maybe you decide in fact I'm not going to have children at all so that I don't pass on any of my pathologies because from what I understand at this point a lot of our trauma and pain is bred into us because it's a generational thing. Yeah. I, I do think that how my grandma raised my mother even though my mom didn't really raise me it was my grandma so I kind of also experienced her raising me firsthand but how my grandma raised my mother was the reason she didn't pick up the phone and call me and tell me that she loves me because my grandma is not the type of woman to say that she loves you she'll feed you and give you money that's how you know she loves you so for me I don't have any kids yet, but I do want to have kids. But for right now, I tell my friends, my best friend and my boyfriend that I love them. I tell my boyfriend every day, but I tell my best friend as much as I can. I don't see her that much. Sometimes I call her and I text her and I tell her as much as I can that I love her because it's really important to me to let people know that. Just because of where my mind was, feeling like no one loved me or cared about me generally, but mainly because I felt that way towards my family. Like, my family is really important to me, as you can probably tell. They, everything that they do, it affects me because I care about them. And also for the future, my plan is to just the best I can let my child know that they can come to me about anything because in my mind it's not only toxic to feel like to have your child feel like they can't talk to you but it's dangerous because anything could be happening in a person's life that is putting them in danger but because of how you treat them and they feel like they can't talk to you they're just spending they're just in danger because they can't talk to anybody and they're going to stay in danger because they can't talk to anyone. So I guess just having my child know that I'm here, I can talk to you. And in my opinion, I mean, you can talk to me, sorry. And in my opinion, doing it is what will help my child be able to do it. Like I can come sometimes or I guess, I don't know if you guys agree, but and I think parents should come to their child sometimes and talk. Because I don't know about you guys, but in my house, we didn't really do that. We didn't really have conversations with each other to know each I other, I guess. But my friends know our mm, family does. Your kid, go outside and play. Yeah, like, I guess like, like stay yeah, out no. of grown people business. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's been told us so many times. It's kind of been ingrained, you know, in everything that we do. Um, but I think that with our own kids, I think it needs to change. We need to 
be that change, you know, and, you know, could I say be more involved yeah. in their lives, but just, you know, be there, um, mm-hmm. you know, and um, not just physically being there, I am here, I am giving you a house, I'm giving you, uh, you know, all your necessities, but be there emotionally for your child. Mm-hmm. I think that is what we should be doing. And I think because the previous generations would, like, keep stuff in, that's what we grew up seeing. We saw them keeping stuff in, so we mimicked that and kept stuff in as well. So, like, we're not going to go to our kids and be like, oh, I can't pay bills or whatever. Like, we're not going to say those stuff, but we can let them know Mm -hmm. in small ways that having feelings is normal. I had a bad day at work today or I my anxiety made it really hard for me to get out of bed today, but I did it. You know, small things like that, you talk to yeah. your kids about it so that they know that these things are things that people go through and it's normal to go through them. What about you, Jonathan? Um, you haven't... So, um, I've heard, I've heard my, my parents, my grandparents... Um, a lot of people tell me I love me throughout the years. Um, they've always been very supportive of everything I've done. So I I actually can't, like, it, I'm sorry, I can't relate to um, some of that. My parents have been very open, you know, even, even, if, even if I'd never wanted to talk to them about certain things. Because, you know, you don't always tell your parents everything. Yeah. Um, I've always, I've always felt that, that love. My dad, my dad is probably, he breaks that stereotype. Um, he's very caring. He listens. Um, I can send him funny things and he laughs. He tells me he loves me. I remember when he dropped me off for college and he was crying and my mom wasn't crying. And like, mm-hmm. um, cause you know, like I'm his, I was, his, I'm his oldest son. So um. for, him, for him, it's, it's a big deal. And he was happy to have me come back home to, um, you know, I'm helping, um, help, I'm helping my parents care for my grandmother essentially. That's so beautiful. That is what we all want, yeah. I think it's good that you can't relate. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Even extended family, like um, cousins and everything, they're all very caring. Like, we're very, it's a, I was very, I'm very blessed to grow up in a very supportive family, like, in all all walks of life, no matter if it's Mm. the poorest to the, the wealthiest, um, so, but what I can say is that what I can say is that I am seeing like a generational change. Like a lot of my friends, like their parents say they love them. Like even they might not have their dad or they might not have their mom in their life or their parents might be split, but um, they, they really care about their, their parents and the parents really care about them. My, one of my close friends, um, he's a, he's, he's a, he's, he's, he is a doctor. Um, he, like, I would pick him up from the projects growing up. Not the projects, but, like, he lived in a rough part of town. And I would pick him up and, like, say hi to his mom. His mom is Jamaican. So, like, um, she has, like, that real thick accent. Mm-hmm. But, and I have a funny story about that with her. But I could, I could say before another time. But um, he, he really wants to, you know, care for his mom. Like, he's doing everything he can in his power to make sure that he can support her when she gets older and i've had uh-huh. massive amounts of respect for him because of that like he's um 
every friend I have is a very love is a very is very family oriented, whether it's with yeah. their, their wife's family and then their family or with their girlfriend's family and their family. They uh, it's the culture the culture has definitely shifted. Like it's not the same type of culture that that um maybe my grandparents experienced or my great grandparents my great grandparents definitely experienced but not like my grand my my grandparents were very open and caring people they're a lot more religious um but they like um i spent a lot of time being raised by my grandmother because both my parents work and um she's cantankerous as hell but i um, always make sure to let her know like, I'm sure. because um she's basically been like my second mom she doesn't see me as her grandson yeah. she sees me as like her son mm-hmm. so i'm asking yeah I have massive amounts of respect for her and her and my grandfather, especially for moving to L.A. back in the 50s and doing what they did. So, Oh, you're so fortunate and blessed. And that is what we, sh- we, we should strive for, what mm-hmm. we should want in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, no one is going to do it perfectly, but we should still really try to change what's happening right now. Yeah. Especially with the bad stigma around mental health. I think that Definitely. will take a lot of time. It will. It's a generational thing, but um, what what we can say is that as long as we are open to be that change, then mm-hmm. it will it, it will happen. Like Yeah. yeah. And it can, it's the small things. It's, it's not, we're not sitting over here saying like, you have to completely do a 180, but like, it's the little mm. thing that you're, that you're, that you're, that you do to your kids and then their kids will do it to their, to their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you're breaking, you're breaking that. The cycle. Yeah. As long as you're breaking the cycle, in my opinion, you're doing, you're doing a hundred percent better than the, the previous generation. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, Agreed. that's that should be our goal is to break the cycle and if you don't have a cycle like like i don't have a cycle so i'm going to continue that like my kids are yeah gonna my kids yeah. are so loved like um my fiance she's she she's already happy she wants to and like and um and i know i'm a lot like my father i'm a very emotional person so it's gonna suck um because i'm very i'm stoic but i'm also very like emotional to people i love and care about so um it's gonna be it'll be a great experience to continue that continue the tradition of like a very loving and caring family and a loving and caring extended family my kids Mm -hmm. and i i i guess i didn't really talk about this it's not like a long thing but i think it's also important for if for people in the in our community if I don't know like if uh if you're with someone especially if you're with a male you should let them know that they can talk to you and that because it's it's like a deep rooted thing because girls struggle but not as hard as how men have it with the whole mental health thing because there just has to be like oh they have to be this strong figure and they can't show any emotions so it's important for people to let their significant others know especially if their significant other is a male 
that having feelings is also okay because for my boyfriend it's hard it's really hard for him because he just doesn't do it that's the person that he is but for me with our relationship specifically throughout the whole relationship I told him you know it's okay and he really like he said to me that um I helped him to be more emotionally open and emotionally in tuned so I think people should do that because it's his entire life he didn't really do that until I was like no like it's okay you should have feelings you should listen to your feelings and you should think about your feelings and just like know what's happening with you one thing one thing though on the flip side of that is that I think um, some guys are a little bit more skeptical to open up is because when they do open up, they're seen as weak or they're seen or it's yeah. used them, like in future in future conversations. Like it's not it's not brought up in a very caring way when they mm-hmm. are open, they do open up. Yeah. So it's just more of a it's a trauma thing for guys as well, because I, we, we at one point we did trust because I trust like when you're younger, you you end up trusting everybody. Yeah. But grow older you learn that i can't trust certain people so you it's not like you're bottling up for everybody but you're bottling up to find the person that's gonna kick like you know that 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 actually cares about how you feel and will love and will love you through what you're going through yeah if you can't because if you get hurt so many times by opening up to the same person because they don't know they don't know how to be a caring person yeah it's exhausting it's exhausting so um uh what i could just say is just like he'll come around like they all like we always end up doing come around we always come around in the end especially if a person that we 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 love and care about and we know that they love and care about us we will open up but we just don't do it for everybody it just it's a it's a a, sadly it's a learned thing that many guys go through where they like i can't trust certain people and um it but i think as 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 um but i i really do think like if those if those are people you can't trust with your emotions like your your deep emotions and those aren't people you want to have in your life anyway so it's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time i think from my side um you'll like you said um jonathan the older you get uh you know your circle just becomes super small around who you can trust. And um, from me, that trust circle is maybe one person, and that's my wife. (laughs) Um, So that's a really, really tight circle. Um, And she's basically literally the only person that I share stuff with, you know. Um, Friends and things like that, um, you know, we're cool. We do our thing, but emotional and mental health, Mm -hmm. um, now doesn't get discussed yes i'm really happy that you guys are married to your best friends basically because like your significant other should end up being your best friend or should be your best friend mm-hmm. which is good i hope so it is. <laughs> you know, about me. well but, chris yeah. if only your, your wife could hear you say that <laughs> She probably will when this podcast gets ready. 
but no, I, I'm really glad we could have this conversation. Um, it's it's a long it's a long one, but I think we're editing out about ten minutes because it was just nothing. But yeah, like almost twelve minutes. But it's good, like we're having these talks. Um, I know if um, Sabrina would say the same thing if she was on hosting, but um, we can always we can always come back to this discussion as well. Um, I'll talk to her about mm-hmm. something because what we might be able to do is do a part two and have um, possibly do have a conversation with her about it. And Donna too. And exactly. Donna. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Um, this is the end of the episode. Um, thank you, everybody. Um, you can plug. Well, sorry, I'd say this on my own podcast, but you can plug any anything that you want. But um, as the host, I'll plug the um, the um, the Black Thread podcast on Instagram. And if you have any emails, please email the black the, the Black Thread podcast at the Black Thread podcast at gmail.com. And um, yeah, from the west coast of Los Angeles. I'm signing out, and I hope you guys all have a great day. You too. You too. And I hope to hear that story that you have one day. Oh yeah, I have a lot of I have a lot of funny stories with family members and friends. (laughs) Many, many to come. (laughs) Cool. All right, bye guys. Bye guys. See you guys. Cheers. Bye.